Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly. Sponsored by Insperity. HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. Oh, yeah. You're listening to the Easy Smooth Town. Hey there. here on KMOX. It's morning. We'll keep it going in the front seat while you're going in the back. How about that? <laughs> it's Hancock and Kelly. Take it easy. And for our regular Friday gig, who is that, John That's Hancock? Al Jarreau. Hey, now. Uh, that's a song that's called Hello, Mr. Radio or something. Ah, I see. Hello, Mr. Cheerios. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, last night, the <coughs> Kansas City Chiefs <coughs> went down in flames as <coughs> the pending Super Bowl <coughs> champions. And yesterday, you were on the uh, Amy and Chris show, and you predicted this. Well... I walked into the talent office yesterday. <laughs> the, Use that word loosely around the here. Well populated talent office, and uh, they were talking about the return of football uh-huh. for the year. And they were talking about how KMOX is the home of the Kansas City Chiefs. Are we? Yeah. And I didn't we uh, we were that. going to interview Mitch Holtis, the voice of the uh, Kingdom of the Kansas Chiefs, whatever they, whatever they call that. Yeah. And I said, you know, guys. Yeah. The Lions are going to win that game. Wow. And they looked at me, Michael, as if I had a third eyeball He's in the middle nuts. of my head. That boy's nuts. They they were they were shall we say nonplussed mm-hmm. at my prediction. And I said, well, you know, I'm just saying, the Lions are a good team. You got the Chiefs coming off of the Super Bowl hangover and it, it's a real thing. Totally. And the the Lions in fact there's Dave Ayler just walked in. He heard me say it. I said the Lions are going to win that game. And you know what happened, Michael? The Lions won last night. The Lions won the game. How about that? 21 to 20. And I'm telling you, let me, let's, let's mark James O'Sullivan. Let's mark the tape. The Detroit Lions are going to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. He's got a, he's got a fever. You're not feeling well. I feel you need great. To, like you were all good, looking good, and then you got and then silly. The, the Al Jarreau. Then you got silly I saying that the Detroit Lions are going to the Super it's, Bowl. It's only going to take about 20 weeks or so, but it's going to happen. Ah, okay. So, uh, by the way, I know we all hate the NFL and what they did to us in St. Louis, but I'm so glad it's back. Are you now? Yeah, there's nothing better than having football to watch on Thursdays, Sundays, uh, Saturdays, Fridays. Monday now, night. Monday night. Don't forget about Monday night football. We got football. All the time. Now you got to have every streaming service under the sun to be able to get. Well, them. that is true. But uh, you'll be able to see all the football games. And I'm glad it's back. I watched a little bit of the uh, U.S. Open last night. They had the climate change protests last no, night. No, brother. Yeah, they shut down the whole tournament for ten minutes. And let me just say this: women's tennis is a far superior sport to men's tennis. That's random. But women's tennis is one of the best sports you can watch. Is that right? Men's tennis boring. Nothing but guys throwing the ball up, trying to slam it 180 miles an hour at each other. No volleying back and forth. Huh. No strategy. Just pure power. Uh-huh. Terrible sport to watch. Men's Women's tennis. tennis some spot. Some some great athleticism. Some incredible power. Yeah. Some great strategy. Yeah. It is far superior. Uh, if I were a czar, I would do away with men's tennis in the same way I would do away with women's basketball. Well, folks, <laughs> there's a. Uh... There's something yeah. uh, for Michael Women's Kelly. tennis is the best. Nearly a century of informing, entertaining, and serving St. Louis. KMOX. 
Oh, yeah. It's Sexy September here on KMOX. Hey, now. That's the Sit Little River Man. Early, don't be wait. I can hardly wait. The bumper music today has been... It's the Hancock and Kelly Show. We're here on KMOX. We'll take you all the way to 10 o'clock. We'll join Chris and Amy right here on The Voice of St. Louis. We'll be spinning these tunes all morning long. And don't forget, you can catch us on Sunday morning at 8.30 on Fox 2 right here in St. Louis. That's where we'll be. One of the homes of the NFL. The National Football League. John Hancock, uh, so much to get to, not so much to talk about. Politics, politics. This yeah. is our regular weekly gig, and yes. uh, you've seen the polling that's I been have. coming out recently. Disturbing. President Biden disturbing. finds himself in a situation where nearly 70% of the people out there think he ought not be running for president because he's too old. I think chlamydia is more popular than Joe Biden right now. At the same time, we see uh, Donald Trump continuing to rise inside the Republican primary. Yeah. And what may be even more shocking to folks like you and I is in the head-to-head with Joe Biden, it's a neck-and-neck race. Yeah, uh, and I, you guys on your side of the fence over there, Michael, you're going to have to do something because Joe Biden, it's not going to get better than it is now. I mean, in, in his, his performance, his cognitive ability, none of that is going to improve between now and next November and you guys need to find another candidate. This he yeah. Joe Biden Can, is going to cost you the White House, potentially. I appreciate the comment. Now, this is coming from a party that's nominating a man who's four times in I hear you. Um, and, and he may be the president. Well, right. And so may Joe, Joe Biden. And here we're going to have a rematch of 2020. I think what we're seeing... Mostly in these poll in this polling is that people are just disappointed with the choices that they are likely going to have, and President Trump and President Biden in a uh, rematch. I do think once we get to the binary choice of President Biden or uh, Donald Trump, people are just going to say, "Look, I'm looking forward to a man who's got his faculties half compromised, as opposed to a man." Who's got malicious intent in the crazy four years that we lived through? Maybe. But the other albatross that Biden is carrying is Kamala Harris. She's maybe less popular than he is. And so when you're going to elect an 82-year-old president, the vice president kind of matters in that instance. And I think the Democrats, you guys are, you're in a bad stew here. And, you know, I'm, look, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. And I don't think Donald Trump would be an effective president. That's too spoiled over uh, there. Yeah. Uh, but Joe Biden is not going to be able to close the deal and win the election. Uh, and and why, you know, you and I both work with politicians. We work with lots of politicians. Politicians, for the most part, have really hefty egos, shall we say. Mm. And and many of them, especially ones that have reached the higher offices of governor and U.S. senator, they fancy themselves as presidents in waiting, so many of them. And for the life of me, I can't understand why nobody in the Democratic Party is stepping up and saying, look. Well, let's talk through. We need a choice here. Let's talk through who some of those choices could be. I think I'd like to predicate this entire conversation by saying I think Joe Biden will be the nominee. I think he'll get reelected. Um, I think he'll continue to show uh, progress in his agenda, which has been successful from a left-of-center perspective. 
But let's say, uh, hypothetically, that Joe Biden was unable to run for president. I agree with you. I don't think that Kamala Harris is the solution, and you're exactly right. And I think that there has to be a reckoning and an understanding, even inside the Biden administration, that that's a problem. So who are the other Democratic names out there? Well, of course, you have probably the two biggest governors in the country, and J.B. Pritzker right across the street, uh, who's got it right across the river? How is J.B. Pritzker one of the biggest governors in well, the country? From from it's Missouri. I mean Illinois, California, New York. He's from one of the biggest states. Okay. Uh, he also has a ton of money, and then of course you have Gavin Gavin Newsom, yeah. who comes from the biggest state in our country. But the Democratic bench could potentially bring you Josh Shapiro, a pen, the Pennsylvania governor. He won an impressive race. He was the in attorney general in Pennsylvania, and he won the governor's race. Now that that's a race where, uh, if you'll remember, there was a Republican primary for governor of Pennsylvania, and the Trump endorsed candidate Mastriano uh, won the nomination and lost badly to Shapiro. That was one of a number of races in 22 where Trump endorsed Republicans won their primaries and went on to lose in the fall election. It happened in governor's races. It happened in U.S. Senate races. But Shapiro, uh, yeah, he's a he's an impressive enough guy. The problem he has, though, uh, I think, is that he doesn't have the personal means, the money, to, to make a race of this, where, where Pritzker does. And I don't know about Gavin Newsom. What's his financial situation? I think he's wealthy. He comes from wine country. But the, the most important thing is he comes from the biggest state in the country and an ability to raise money. Yeah. I mean, running for governor of uh, California is like running for president of the United States. They can put together hundreds of millions of dollars. You know what's fascinating? Well, I'm gonna, I've got to sidetrack. We'll finish this and I'll go to my side Maryland track. Governor Wes Moore, uh, Kentucky Governor Andy Brashear, yeah. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitner. Of course, you got New Orleans uh, Mayor, former New Orleans Mayor Mitch Landrieu, yeah. and North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper are a couple of the folks that are sitting on the bench. But, John, I just don't see it going to change. Yeah, I... It needs to. I mean, I, I think you you guys have got a candidate there that's so flawed, and <laughs> as I say, is going to get worse. I mean, it's like you should be talking in the mirror when you say that. <laughs> wow. You guys over there got a well, real I'm flawed candidate. Down. You I'm got like, a candidate under four indictments. Ninety-one counts. Ninety-one counts. <laughs> so yeah, and I, I hear what you're saying, and and what I'm saying is, well, that I appreciate a your concern about uh, what we ought to be doing. Well, uh, so a candidate with ninety-one felony counts against him should not be particularly competitive in a November election. But because of the Democrat candidate, you know, anything's liable to happen here. Now, here's a here's a thing that I wanted to point out because we're talking about money, right. putting money together. And you say Gavin Newsom's from California. California can put together hundreds of millions. Yeah. So the trick these days in politics increasingly is not the reliance on the super donor so much. You know, the guys who can give you twenty five hundred. It's, it's the grandma that can give you five bucks to pay for your legal bills. Yes, yeah. and 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 to get that money, you've got to be outrageous on social. Well, media. in the Republican Party, and, I'm not sure no, that's the case in the Democratic AOC, Party. AOC, Cory Bush. Okay, these people are raising national money because they're, they're saying so and doing out, raising uh, outrageous things. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, we're definitely in a time where those who say the most bombastic stuff get most of the attention. But I would put the governor of Illinois, California, New York, Texas, Florida in a unique spot and that they're bigger than needing just low donor dollars from bombastic statements. They come from states with huge wealth, 
Huge investment. Just to win in those states, you have to have so many donors. Yeah. Curious to get your assessment uh, of what went wrong for Ron DeSantis. I have no clue. I mean, one, he's unlikable. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, he just never was able to pivot and uh, become likable. He's very awkward. Uh, and I think the president, the former president's bashing of him very early probably set the table as to how people were going to perceive him. Yeah. So you just think he's a bad product. Yeah. Huh. You? <clears throat> yeah, I think I think there's that. But what's it, with Florida governors? This is the second one in a row that was supposed to be the heir. And, you know, they come in with all the money, all the institutional help. And not only do they fall, they free fall. Yeah. And I think... You know, the the lane that DeSantis chose, because really when he got into this thing, it was a two-way race. Right. Trump or DeSantis. And he chose the Trump lane. He went after the Trump voters. Uh, he had a Trumpian message. He had, even stylistically, he was trying to emulate Donald Trump. Right. And I think fundamentally that was a flawed political what? strategy for him to get in. There, there was not... You know, Coke light is not going to beat right. Coke. Yeah, like when you can have the real thing, why go for the fake? Right. So then, do you think he would have been more successful taking the Chris Christie approach, which was well scorched earth against Donald Trump and trying to return back to conservative principles? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think the Chris Christie approach, given where Donald Trump's popularity is with the GOP electorate, I don't know that the Donald Trump approach was right. I mean, that the Chris Christie approach was going to work. But I'll tell you what he could have done. He could have gone after the Trump record, didn't build a wall, you know, massive right. debt. Uh, he could have gone after the Trump record and carved out a, a position for himself that way. And it may have uh, made a difference. Now, to your point about his likability and his lack of charisma and his tone— those things probably aren't fixable. Right. Uh, but I just think the political strategy, whoever put that together, uh, gave him some really bad advice. Yeah, and there's this movement for no labels, uh, which is this independent third party. Our own former governor from Missouri, Jay Nixon, is out supporting it. We're going to have former St. Louis Congressman Dick Gephardt on today. He's cool. leading the charge against... Uh, no labels. He <clears throat> argues that a third party is nothing but a spoiler, and in this particular instance, it would elect Donald Trump if no labels were to get traction. Yeah, I mean, unless they found a candidate that could cut into the Trump vote, uh, I think he's probably right about that. But it'll be good to talk to Dick Gephardt, man. We haven't talked to him in a long time. You know what else is coming back, uh, John? Masks. We'll talk about oh, masks. Gee. I got some strong feelings on masks. I've had I don't. Mask. I know, and I'm, that's although, why we're going to talk about it. Although I, you know, I don't like to talk, as you know, but <clears throat> I look pretty good. In a mask. Most people prefer you in a mask. It covers up uh, the second chin pretty well. Hey, the news is next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. So I want to talk to you about masks, but first masks. I've got to share with you a story and something I think we've messed up as a society. Mm. So we're all that's about social con uh, content here. Yeah. Michael so, Kelly, social commentary yeah. is what I'm So to say. we're all about washing our hands and they say that helps stop spreading diseases and then, you know, but 
we're, 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 I think we've done something to the point where it's no longer effective. Washing your hands is so not effective. Here's, here's where I'm at. You go to a restroom. Let's just say you're at an airport. You go to the restroom. Let's you get done with the, your business. Say you're at the Pink Galleon. There you go. And you're uh, playing a little snooker out there. You get done with your business. You, you walk over to the sink. There it is. Now, there's no spigots to turn on the water. Yeah. So what that means you've got to go and, and put your hands under there to get the machine to the sensor, the sensor to sensor decide that you're there. Senses that there's a hand under. And me. you put your hands under there, and you're there for two seconds. No water comes out. The second you pull out, the water starts coming out. Hmm. And you know now you feel like you're doing the hokey pokey. You, you keep putting your hands back and forth, and and the water that comes out is a dribble, and it barely comes out. And, and half cold. the time you're like you're you're moving your hands up and down. And you're going cold. left and right. You're trying you to don't like wash your hands. Please make the water. water come out. So now, if you're fortunate enough to finally get your hands wet, wet, and you wash your you hands, got the, don't forget the soap over there. Hey, now you head over and you're encountered by one of three things. Okay. The most convenient is you pull the paper towel, you dry your paper towel off, hands off. Yeah. You throw the paper towel. You use it to open the door. You you throw your hand your paper towel into Man, the trash. You're, you're OCD over there. But more often than not, these days, you're running into one of two other scenarios. Right. One where you got to do the hokey pokey again, and you're waving your hand Hate in front things. of the thing. And, it's, uh, and then a little teeny, a little a little teeny, teeny piece of paper comes out. It couldn't wipe your pinky finger Right, up. and then you rip that off, and guess what? Here comes another piece of paper. Yes. Uh, well, but, but, no, you got to wait. Yeah. you got to wait the mandatory wait four seconds, seconds or whatever. Yeah. Oh, or, I hate those things. We got one of those here. It's miserable. It's miserable. It doesn't work, and it's it's no longer effective. They're trying to save paper. Yes, and and they're and they're ruining no. the hand washing experience for all of us. The third scenario you'll run into yeah. are the blowers. Yeah, the blow. I like the blowers. Now the blowers, you go up, you hit the button, you put your hand under there. Sometimes the blower you dry You got to hit the sensor. Too. Yeah, yeah, and you're having the sensor under the rubbing, thing, rubbing the hands. Together. And if you're lucky enough, it stays on long enough for your hands to get dry. But then you read all these articles about how the blower is blowing up all this nonsense, yes. fecal matter, yes. other things into the, the air the that germs. you're breathing in. So this is we just had this conversation yeah. on a long drive back from Michigan on our vacation. So okay. it's Georgian and me, Gus the dog, oh yeah, and my father-in-law. I bet Gus had my, some good points. My 87-year-old father-in-law, who's a very wise man. Right. So we pulled off at the rest stop there in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all go in and avail ourselves, and I so I wash my hands, and I go to you know dry them off there, and Dad says, "John," <laughs> I said, "What, Dad?" He said, "Don't you know about those things?" And I said, "The dryer." It's a. He said, "John, the germs in that thing it's, wow. it's, don't." So, uh, so I have I never knew that the yeah, blower it was blows a, things around. I thought that was supposed to be saving even more paper out there. Which which leads us to the conversation that I really wanted to get into, right. which was masking. Well, and time. so we've heard that the president of the United States is now going to be masking yes, up in yes. Washington D.C. Come on, we're starting to see some other schools and stuff oh, that are bringing on. masks back. Here's where I'm at on masks. Okay, I personally am not going to wear one. I'm just not going to do it huh. unless. I go into a quickie mart or to a place that says mask required. Yep, the old quickie mart. Yeah, so then I'm going to put a mask <laughs> the on. The is a quickie mart. And so at the end of the day, I think that most people, when it comes to masking, yeah. those who are common sense, normal people, mm -hmm. will understand, hey, I'm going into the grocery store or I'm going into the doctor's office. They want me to wear a mask. I'm going to wear a mask. I'm not going to act a fool. I'm not going to get on social media. I'm not going to act like I'm a jerk. 
I'm just going to put my mask on and go about my day. And that will be the life that, 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 that I will lead. But, of course, we're going to run into these people who are going to, ah, we're taking away my liberty, and, and it's going to look silly. So can we all not just decide as a society that if you go into a business or a place, they want you to mask, put a mask on. Big deal. But you don't have to wear one anywhere else. I don't think we ought to do mandatory masking on airplanes and stuff from governments. I think it ought to be left up to the individual businesses on what you're going to do in masking and the individual schools. And therefore, you're going to know that people who mask up are intentional about their masking. I don't have a problem with somebody masking up, but it's just not going to be what I'm going to do. I don't think we're going to see full mask mandates coming back. But can we please just act like normal, civilized humans? If you're asked to put a mask on, you're not going to make a big, larger point. Just put your mask on and go on about your business. Well, here's the thing about the mask, Michael, is that they don't do anything. They don't really prevent anything. And if you're breathing in your own carbon dioxide for six hours, you're probably not helping yourself. So you don't have to wear a mask unless you go to a place that requires you to wear a mask. Then you put a mask on. Big deal. Yeah, but it's a – I hope – that institutions and establishments don't require masking. I think I, I, I think establishments will. I, I I went to a doctor's office. Heck, even okay. you know during this, we're doing it. It may come back to some grocery stores. It may come back to some private businesses. What do you care? Well, here's what go I, somewhere else I, if you don't, don't want to do it. Yeah, well, that is precisely the point. Right, <clears throat> because uh, the economics of mask mandates now at a doctor's office or a hospital, you know, whatever you, you that's where you go. But when you have a choice uh, of a restaurant or an establishment to go to, and one requires a mask and one doesn't, I think the mask requiring institutions, uh, businesses are going to f- feel an economic and, impact, and, and so be it. And they will they will then lose their mandates. That's what and I. And so think. be it. But I mean, in terms of governments putting on a mask mandate, we're just going to live through the nightmare of the the craziness. Having said that. I'll wear it if I'm going to the city hall and they say, hey, we recommend you wearing a mask. And, it, you know, make, okay, put a mask on. What's the big deal? Do we have to go through this as a society again where everybody acts crazy and puts stuff on social media? If Come you on. listened closely uh, to the last, I don't know, 45, 50 seconds, ladies and gentlemen, you will have noticed that Michael Kelly is standing up on the side of liberty. And that is no, a gratifying I'm, thing. I'm standing on the side of common sense and rational thought processes. Yes. I will wear one. I just don't know that we need to impose them. I don't want to live through this again. Hey, we need to step aside. I'm excited for our next segment. Yeah, Congressman Gephardt from St. Louis is going to join us. He's on a crusade against the No Labels Party. He's going to explain to us why he thinks this is problematic for our democracy after this right here on KMOX. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Welcome back to KMOX, the greatest radio station in the world, and one of the greatest people wow. I know is Congressman Dick Gephardt. He's one of the main reasons I'm involved in politics, and he's kind enough to join us on the Quiver River Electric Guest Line. Congressman Gephardt, welcome back to KMOX. Great to be with you, Mike. It's good to be with you, sir, and uh, you have been very uh, outspoken about this new effort as it relates to no labels. No labels is a third-party effort uh, to put a third party into the uh, 2024 election. Uh, many Americans displeased with the choices of Donald Trump and Joe Biden. 
Uh, what's your position on no labels, and uh, why isn't more opportunity a good thing? Well, I have to start this by saying I've always been a supporter of no labels, and especially the problem solvers, which they support. It's the only place in Congress that I can see left where the right and the left Democrats and Republicans can actually work together to solve problems. The truth is there would not have been an infrastructure bill a year ago uh, without the problem solvers. They wrote the bill and they really got it passed. So I start with that. But about five months ago, I started to see that No Labels was wanting to file a third-party, centrist, independent presidential ticket in the 2024 election in all 50 states. And my worry about that is that I think it will re-elect Donald Trump. And let me tell you why I think that's a problem. If these were normal times, I would have no problem with that. These are not normal times. In 2020, we came within a whisker of having a broken election, only because Mike Pence and six or seven state Republican electoral officials around the swing states stood up to the pressure from Donald Trump to, to push the election in his favor, even though that's what, not what the voters said. Did we have a competent, trusted election by most of the American people? The person who instigated that whole effort to overturn the election and overturn our electoral process for the first time in American history is running for president again. I agree with Liz Cheney. Donald Trump should never be allowed back in the White House again. He would be a danger to continuing our democracy. So I've pulled together a bipartisan group, mainly former public officials, public servants from both parties, to try to convince No Labels not to do this. No Labels says two conflicting things. First, they say they never want to do anything to reelect Donald Trump. That's good. But then out of the other side of their mouth, they say they will only file this bipartisan ticket if the two candidates of the two parties are Trump and Biden. You can't have it both ways. And what we're saying to no labels is, why don't you pledge today that you will not do this if Donald Trump is the Republican nominee. So far, they aren't willing to do that, and that makes me really worried that they're going to go forward with this. And I personally paid for a national poll and a poll in swing states, and it indicates exactly what I said a minute ago. If it's Biden and Trump, it's close. Could be a tie if it's Biden, Trump, and a no-label centrist independent candidate, Trump wins. Full stop, end of story, no more controversy. That's it. 
Former, so, Congre- yeah. former Congressman Dick Gephardt is our guest. And, you know, in the history of the country, Congressman, <clears throat> a, a third party has never won the presidency. <clears throat> what makes no labels think they would even have a chance at this thing? Well, in fairness to them, they see uh, the American people are not happy with either Biden or Trump. I, I get that. I understand it. But sometimes in life, you don't get two good choices or even one good choice. You get two bad choices in your view. But you got to make a choice. And that's kind of where we are. So they think, I think wrongly, that if they run a good campaign for a centrist ticket starting in April of next year when they have their so-called convention to pick their candidates, and God knows how they're going to pick these candidates. But they believe that they have a chance in this environment to get 270 electoral votes, which is what you need to be elected president. All of the public polling, all of our polling indicates that is absolutely untrue. The last independent candidate, third-party candidate, that got one electoral vote was George Wallace in 1968. There is simply no way on this earth that a third-party ticket is going to get 270 electoral votes. Now, let me add one more complication to think about. Let's say they put a really good ticket together. Let's say they get 50 electoral votes. That probably means that neither Trump nor Biden, if they're the candidates, gets 270 electoral votes. Guess what happens if that occurs? (laughs) The election goes to the House of Representatives under Amendment 12 to the Constitution. But each delegation in the House, state delegation, gets one vote for president. So just imagine... How is the country going to accept whoever the House picks? If 50 Americans get to elect the next president of the United States, it will be a broken election and the country will be in flames. Yeah, I mean, that uh, the the election results going to the Congress, that hasn't happened since. 1876 with the Rutherford B. Hayes Tilden election. Let me ask you, though, Congressman, Joe Biden, it's clear by polling that a majority of Democrats would prefer to have another alternative to Joe Biden. Why do you think nobody, uh, no credible candidate has gotten into this race? And at this point, is it too late or might uh, a challenge, a legitimate challenge to Joe Biden uh, be able to occur? It's a great question. Let me let me give you a a few things here. First of all, often in our history, when we get up to a reelection of an incumbent president, we have uh, a lot of uh, upset on both sides, but even on the side of the sitting president about his candidacy for reelection. I remember back when Jimmy Carter was running for re-election in 1980, Ted Kennedy took him on, 
there were a lot of Democrats, believe me, who, who didn't want Jimmy Carter to, to run or to be the candidate. So there's precedent for, I guess what you'd call it, buyer's remorse once you get toward an election. The second thing I'd say is that, look, I've run for president twice. Mike Kelly knows that well. Yes, sir. He helped me the last time, and he was a great help. This is a free country. There's no group of elites who tells you to run or not to run. Nobody told me I could run or I couldn't run. It's an individual decision. So if there are other candidates in the Democratic Party who want to take him on and try to be the candidate and think they would have a better chance of winning, they should do it. They can do it. Nothing is stopping them from doing it. I'm sure that a lot of them have second thoughts if they're thinking about it because it costs so much money to run for president. There's so much you have to put in place early on, and time is running out. So I understand that. The last thing I'd say is people say to me, you know, Biden's too old. He shouldn't run. And I got to tell you, if I were Joe Biden, I wouldn't be running. We're almost the same age. I'm a, a year or so older than he is. I'm in good health, but I just, I would have trouble thinking I could do this job, which is the hardest job in the world at my age. I just wouldn't want to take that risk for the country. Forget about me, for the country. But I'm not Joe Biden. Joe Biden has to make that decision. He apparently has made it. Now, we'll see what happens down the road. Things can happen. We know that. There could be candidates come out of the woodwork and say, hey, this is a problem and I'm going to run. And that's fine. It's a free country. I, you know, no labels has accused my group of trying to keep them off the ballot. We're not doing that. We would never do that. Dick, they have every right in the world to be on the ballot. Dick, We're just trying to convince them that this is a really bad idea right now. Dick, I know you have a hard stop at 945. Would you have a problem if we stepped aside for a couple of commercials and came back to you for a couple minutes? No problem. Congressman Dick Gephardt, right back with us here on KMOX after these messages. Welcome back to the Hancock and Kelly Show. We go back to the Quiver River Electric Guest Line where we go with to visit with one of my favorite people in the whole world. His name's Congressman Dick Gephardt right here from St. Louis. He's been opposing no labels. He was also the Democratic leader of the House of Representatives for uh, nearly a decade. Congressman, you look at Congress now. These people can't agree on what day it is. Is Congress broken? Well, it's not broken, but it's more dysfunctional than it should be. Uh, And I'd give you my main reason for it. Look, Congress is always in disagreement. That's the nature of the beast. That's democracy. You know, we have 535 people in the room to make controversial decisions for 340 million Americans. We decided 250 years ago that we wanted that big of a group to do this. We didn't want one person in the room. I, in my service, I learned completely that democracy is always really hard. 
And I have a saying, democracy is always a GD mess. It has to be because of the number of people in the room who all disagree with each other on everything, just like the American people do. But in the last 10 years or so, it has become much harder for them to get to those compromises, which is the only way you solve anything. Why is that the case? Well, there's a lot of reasons. You can first look at the politicization of cable news like Fox and MSNBC and, you know, all that. But the real culprit, I believe, is social media. And to understand that, you've got to look at the social media platform business plan. Their business plan is to keep your attention for as many hours a day as they can. They do that because they know everything about you if you're on the platform. Fox doesn't know everything about their viewers. MSNBC doesn't know everything about their viewers. But social media knows everything about you if you're on the platform. So they use AI algorithms to boost to you 24-7 information to keep you upset, angry, and anxious. And that, I think, is a large ingredient in producing the bitter polarization that we see now among the American people. People complain to me that Congress is pretty dysfunctional. I say, yeah, it is pretty dysfunctional. But don't blame it on Congress. What's happened to the people? Congress is and must be a reflection of the American people. That's how you get elected. If the American people are bitterly divided, hate one another, then Congress will be bitterly divided. And it is. And it is. Uh, Congressman so Dick. We, we got to do something about it. Congressman Dick Gephardt is our guest. I wanted to ask you because. When, when you served, we actually passed appropriations bills and, uh, and spending got done. Do you think some of the changes in Congress itself have had an impact? I'm speaking specifically of doing away with the seniority system of committee chairs and subcommittee chairs where they ruled those committees and would kick people off who were uh, being a distraction. Those reforms of Congress, I think, have have made it more difficult to get things done. And then th simple things, even positive sounding reforms like eliminating earmarks, you know, which was at one time a currency that allowed you to put the votes together to get stuff done. Have those things had an effect on the dysfunction of Congress? No question about it. Those are good things that went away and they should come back. Uh, you've got to give the leaders in Congress an ability to lead. Uh, I always think of the statement by the guy in South Africa, whose name is not coming to me, who was in prison for 27 years and then became president Nelson of Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela. And if you saw the movie on him, uh, there was a big controversy in, in his party about bringing back the rugby team, I think it was, that was all white, that was from the history of white rule in, in South Africa. 
And so he got in his car and he went over to the party meeting and he said, I hear you're trying to revolt against my decision to keep faith with the old team. And he said, you elected me to lead. Now I'm going to lead. You're not going to do this. So leaders have to have an ability. At the end of the day, they should listen to everybody and try to find a compromise. But at the end of the day, they're elected to lead. Earmarks are also a good tool. You may not remember this, but we balanced the federal budget in the 1990s, which was a Herculean task. And it was only done because we could work with Republicans and Democrats to get it done. And earmarks in those budget processes was very important. The last thing I'll tell you is that gerrymandering is part of the problem here. Gerrymandering house seats in states. And I'm a big proponent today of ranked choice voting, which you may not have heard much about, but it it gets rid really of the primary system and it, it would allow more centrist candidates to get elected finally to the Congress in a final runoff between two or three people. Congressman, I know you've got to go, but I have one last question for you. I spent a couple of years of my life with you when you were running for president. And one of the things that was the most impressive about you is your optimism. You ended every speech by talking about how optimistic you are about America. Um, we have a president of the United States who's as unpopular as anyone's been in quite some time. We have a former president that's running that's under four federal indictments. We have a Congress that's broken. Uh, uh, the, you know, we had an insurrection attempt in January 6th. Are you still optimistic about America? I absolutely am, and I'll tell you why. I went door to door, as you know, and you did it with me, for 28 years in South St. Louis City, County, and the two counties south that I also represented. I have met the American people. I ran for president twice. I've been in every state. I've met thousands and thousands of Americans. Nobody's perfect. Everybody has failures and flaws. But in the main, the vast majority of Americans are good people They want the right things for their family, their community, their country. They have good values. That's why we had a valid election finally in 2020. It's the American people. This is of, by, and for the people. If the people want to keep this country a democracy, they will do it. And I have ultimate faith in them. He is the son of a milkman. He is a former alderman in the city of St. Louis. He was a member of Congress for parts of three decades. He was the Democratic leader of the House of Representatives of the United States for nearly a decade. He's a two-time presidential candidate. Uh, Congressman Dick Gephardt, it's been an honor to spend these minutes with you today, sir, on The Voice of St. Louis, and uh, I wish you good health and uh, much success as life rolls on. 
Thank you so much. It's been an honor to be with you, and I just hope the Cardinals start winning more games. They've been looking better lately, so we'll, I'm encouraged. We'll get them next year. Yeah, we're the Cubs this year, Congressman, maybe <laughs> next year. That's Congressman Dick Kephart, kind enough to join us, John. He, he's one of the greatest people I know. I love the man. Uh, I miss him. Uh, I'm sure maybe some of you here in St. Louis miss him. Hey, Hancock and Kelly's back after this right here on KMOX. Hancock and Kelly in here to take you to 10 o'clock. We'll join Amy and Chris shortly. They're out there at the car wash. I hear Amy may walk into the car wash. Yeah, she's going to go through. Yeah, we're going to find out all about that. Hey, don't forget, Sunday morning, 830, Fox 2 right here in St. Louis. Hancock and Kelly, the television show. We handle all of the week's political stories right there with our good friend Andy Banker. You're going to want to tune into that. I'm Michael Sean Kelly. That's John Ray Hancock. Senior. Senior, Uh, that's right. Uh, So... Yeah, we just interviewed Richard A. Gephardt, That's right. former congressman from St. Louis, and it got me to thinking, what is the purpose of a middle name? I mean, it serves no purpose, really. Hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, back in the day, I'm talking about back, back in the day. Okay. Even people had one name. Like Oprah. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Yase, they yeah. had one name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at some point, somebody decided, well, let's let's stick a second name on there so that we can tell who you're a descendant of. Okay. Now, all of a sudden, you're Mark Johnson, uh, part of the Johnson family. That makes perfect sense to me. Right. You got the Johnson lineage there. You can go back and track it. Uh, you on the Kelly side, yeah. you know, your mom's got a maiden name. No yeah. problem with it. It's all good. Right. It's all good. John Hancock's good name. Right. The middle name serves no purpose. Really? None. I think it probably came from the British kings. Like, you know, when, when what's his name, the king now, uh, Charles? Chuck, yeah. When Chuck became king, you know, he's got like eight names. Uh, Charles, Charles, Arthur, Johnson, George. Rowley, Ravas. Yeah, uh, you know. George Herbert Walker Bush. He's yeah. got, yeah, there's a guy with four names. Yeah, what's the significance of Ray? <laughs> John Ray. Yeah. It it well, it's not a family name. Okay. There's no Rays in our lineage, at least so far as I right. know. because uh, oftentimes the middle name is the last name of a relative that's right. You know. Uh no. Uh, the Ray comes from the fact that my sister uh is Paula K. Okay. Uh my brother is David J. Okay. And so <laughs> I'm John Ray. John Ray. Yes. Well, you and most And my nieces are Savannah Ray and Amanda Kay. Well, how about that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am um, uh, I'm Michael Sean, and I, I think I was going to be Michael Patrick. Oh. But, well, you know, my parents, Irish. they were big into procreating well, and having And, and they only had the one kid, well, the one boy. Well, but I think the reason they held off on Patrick is I think when they, they had me, they thought, well, maybe, maybe we'll try and have another boy. And they were going to try to have a Patrick, so they went with Michael Sean. Oh, I think that's the story. I need to find out. But you're exactly right. I don't know. I I don't have any relatives who were Sean. Now, I have a nephew of mine whose name is Sean Michael. Um, That's kind of nice, right? Michael Sean, Sean Michael. But, you know, you think about it. Your your parents had this whole stable of boy names, and they kept having girls. Yeah. So, and they they could have burned three or four names on you. You could have been Michael Sean Patrick Fitzgibbons Kelly. Yeah, how great would that have been? That would have been something. A a, a listener, not just a listener. Okay. A colleague. Ooh. Uh, Mike Claiborne. 
Hey, Claves! Has weighed in. Okay. Middle names are needed when you know your parents are really mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the only time I got called by my middle yeah. name. Michael Sean! Yeah. And it was really embarrassed when they were upset with the girls and they'd still use my name. Michael Sean! <laughs> that, I don't know. I just think the middle name is superfluous. I don't understand it. I don't know who invented it. Somebody, somebody yeah. in antiquity back there decided that two names so are not enough. Neither of us know what Claiborne's middle name is. So Michael Michael James Claiborne the third. I'm going to say Michael Thomas huh. Claiborne would have to be his name. It would be cool if it was Michael Ray. Claiborne. Michael Ray Claiborne? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'd be for that. Uh, well, yeah. I'm, I, well, hopefully he'll text us and let us know what his middle name is. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, it's just, you know, and then my son is John Ray Hancock Jr., Right. And uh, so that's how Do you the, think he'll name a home. third? Or do you think it would? Well, I hope he gets married first. Uh, yeah. that, that would be, <laughs> you know, that would be the, the hope there uh, that that would happen. Well, Michael, what a show we've had today. Yeah, we had a good one. We talked uh, football. We talked about washing your hands. Masking up is coming back. We talked about what's going on with the presidential campaign. Wait a minute. We talked football. Yeah. We didn't talk football, Michael. We talked about the fact that I walked in here yesterday. Oh, boy. Here Yesterday morning, filling in for Amy Mark scores. So humble. I walked into the uh, talent room there, and I said, the Lions are going to win the football game tonight, and they, they laughed at me, Michael. Yeah. They laughed at me. Breaking news. Yes. Michael Claiborne? Yeah. What name did you say? I, I said uh, Michael. Uh, you were hoping it was Ray. I said yeah. Thomas. Yeah, and I said uh, Andrew or something. It is Edward. Oh, Michael Edward Claiborne. Doesn't that sound like he ought to be royalty? Yes, it does. Representing the city of St. Louis. And he's got the, the Honorable Michael Edward Claiborne. And, and, he's, and he's Claiborne that ends with an E. So that's like very highfalutin stuff there. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the real deal. Hey, he's who we all want to be. It's Claiborne's world. We're just living in it. We are. And we love every minute of it. And we love every minute spending with each and every one of you 12 people out there. And uh, I want to thank our producer, Frank uh, Lad. Ladd. And I want to thank our great board operator, James O'Sullivan, Chris and Amy, are next.